Hi, everyone. Welcome to The Career Brand Story, a podcast that provides expert career coaching every week. I'm Jeremy Tudor, and on today's show, we are talking about how to find work-life balance. If you're anything like me, you may wonder, is striving for work-life balance a losing battle? If you're a business leader, executive, or entrepreneur, you can feel like trying to achieve some sort of perfect balance, but never quite reaching it. Is there a rhythm to work-life balance that we can actually achieve? Well, today, I've invited some guests to talk to us about different viewpoints about work-life balance, and hopefully by the end of this conversation, we'll all be able to find a new rhythm to follow. I want to welcome back always Jeb Graff, commercial photographer and creative consultant and producer of The Career Brand Story. How are you doing, Jeb? Doing great. Happy to be here. Thanks, as always, for having me, though I guess if I'm the producer of the podcast, I don't have a choice. I'm here. We have to have you. (laughs) Here I am. I'm really happy to be here. And we have McCabe Leslie back on the show, our market growth leader here at Jeremy Tudor LLC and the Career Brand Story Brands. Hi, McKay. It's good to have you here again today. Jeremy, I'm so excited to be here. I can't wait to talk about and maybe even debate this topic a little bit. Yeah, I know that you've been super excited about this episode. Um, You've got your disagreeing viewpoints, and we are looking forward to hearing them uh, and to see what we come up with, any agreements at the end. Right. And then I have um, welcome a very special guest, Michael Tudor. Uh, He is the Assistant Director at Parking Authority of River City Incorporated in Louisville, Kentucky. He also happens to be my oldest brother. Um, I have to be very cautious here. I can't say that he's necessarily my favorite oldest brother because I have two older brothers and the other one would get his feelings hurt. So, uh, Michael, it's really good to have you here today joining us as well. Hey, you know, it's great to be able to be invited on your show. And I'm really looking forward to talking to you guys about work-life balance. I'm really interested in seeing what McKay has to say. Um, Maybe we can have some good debate between us um, on what work-life balance means for us. So thank you. Yeah, and I should warn McKay, uh, Michael can be kind of ruthless. Um, I've played Monopoly with him before with my (laughs) brothers. And... um, they, uh, we all merged in a Monopoly game once, and then they held a board meeting and voted me out. So I'm just going to prepare you for this conversation that's coming. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready. You know, I've heard that story before, and I keep meaning the next time I play Monopoly with my family, board meeting is happening. Yeah, it's, um, and I was out early in the game. Um, It happens really fast. (laughs) (laughs) It's the only way to do it. And obviously he's never gotten over it. No, this was years ago, years, years ago. (laughs) Well, Michael, again, I'm glad to have you here. One of the reasons that I invited you um, in particularly to this podcast is that you had written an article about work-life balance on LinkedIn. And I was like, oh, wow, this is great. We're talking about this as a team. And um, I think your perspective is really great. And actually our listeners and those who are signed up on our email subscription um, are going to see that article and what you wrote about there. Um, And it's really practical. I think, ideas and thoughts around work-life balance. Um, If you're a first-time listener, I really encourage you to go to our website, jeremytutor.com, and you can sign up for our email subscription uh, and be sure to be able to get this week's um, email um, that uh, Michael is contributing to um, that will have a lot of great information, again, around work-life balance. Um, And 
to kind of start and just to kind of introduce you to the audience, maybe you could share with us a little bit about just your career story, um, where you are today and how you even got there and are doing the type of work that you're doing today. Yeah, no, I, I will. So, you know, I started back in high school. I really thought that I was going to go into some sort of business degree. Uh, my senior year, I was taking some accounting classes and I thought, you know what? I really enjoy this. This is what I'm going to do. Well, fast forward four or five years later, I'm graduating from college and I come out with a ministry degree, nothing to do with business, right? Um, and on top of that, it has an emphasis in working with youth and counseling. And so, you know, things just tend to change as you're working through college and trying to find that passion that you want to go after. Um, some other things were taking place in my life. Um, I graduated and there was a job opening for me in the uh, parking industry. And to this day, I still have to explain to everyone what that means when I say I work in the parking industry. For the past 20 plus years, that's been my career. Um, I didn't go into ministry. Um, I didn't go into um, counseling. I didn't go into accounting, but instead I work in parking. And um, yes, I do park cars. And I know you like to kid me all the time when I go to my conferences. What do we learn to do? What is it? We learn to do <laughs> parallel, to parallel park, right? park. That's right. No. So, so that's not what we do. I mean, really, if you want to get into what parking the industry is about, it's property management. And so we're managing property that instead of housing people, it's housing vehicles. And, um, and so we manage property. We build garages. We, we take care of the operations. And there's a lot of business aspect to it. And I just really love the job that I do. Um, they say that, you know, you, you don't go to college to learn to be a parking administrator. Um, there's not a degree out there that I know of for that. Yeah, I don't think um, anyone does that. <laughs> no, but instead, parking kind of calls you to be part of it. And once, it, once you get into it, you just don't leave. And so that's what's happened to me. And now uh, being the assistant director in the city of Louisville, I'm able to lead our team in being able to um, spur development for other big companies to come in because what do they need when they come in? They need parking for their employees. And so we're able to put together those deals to make sure we get big companies to invest in the city of Louisville. Um, so I really enjoy it. It's, it's a fun, um, rewarding job that I never knew uh, I would get into. And you've been with um, this particular company with the city of Louisville for how many years now? Yeah, so I started in 97. Um, it was right after I got married. I got married in January in Cincinnati. Me and my wife, we picked up, and in April 97, we moved to Louisville. And that's where we've been ever since. And so that's, what, 20-plus years that I've been in this job. And I've had different positions throughout that time. Um, but I have to say my most favorite uh, position is the one I'm in right now because I'm able to lead my team and uh, – and what I find most that I enjoy about it is just leading them and training them and watching them grow. Sure. And I want to talk just a little bit about your family, too, because I think this is important to have that context within work-life balance. Um, so you have two children, wonderful children, uh, some of my favorite nieces and nephews out there. Be. I got to say that right too. Um, now they're growing up. Um, they're, um, so um, Emily is in college. What year is she in college? Uh, she'll be a junior this coming year. Of course, it all depends on how colleges go back to school and what that looks like, but uh, she should be in her third year. Right. And then Logan just graduated high school and um, he is already lined up on a career path 
um, and he's going to start working with, it's with Toyota, is that correct? Yeah, that's correct. So um, we took him around to different colleges and, and four-year degree colleges that we thought he might like. And none of them just really spoke to him. And he just loves to work with his hands and, and dig into things and solve problems. And we took him to the local technical college. And when he saw the classroom and the hands-on training, I mean, his eyes just lit up. And so he signed up for, um, it's called T10, and it's by Toyota. And they will put him through a two, two and a half year training program where he's part of a local dealership um, and he'll get hands-on training and then have a job when he comes out of that uh, working on Toyota vehicles. Yeah, that's fantastic. And when you move to Louisville, so here they are at this point, right, you know, starting to venture out and um, spread their wings into adulthood. Um, but before that, when you first moved to Louisville, they weren't even born yet, right? So, you know, over this time, you have raised a family um, over the years doing this job. And so I just think it's important, again, to have that context as we get into this conversation that we're not just talking about our balance at work. But we're talking about our balance with our personal life and our family priorities and work. Um, this is really that pursuit of the whole self um, in that. And, you know, all of us experience changes with our pace um, with COVID-19. Um, I think for people who, there was kind of the joke, if you're an introverted, you were made for the season, right? And it was like, yes, finally, they have made it mandatory that we have to stay indoors and away from people. Um, but I, I'll be honest, I don't know that over the long term, even for people who might be more introverted, that that necessarily works well and healthy. Um, and that those of us who might have been high achievers, you know, um, certainly had to quickly adjust to this balance. And, and maybe there was a healthy aspect that it made us pause. But whatever that was, our balance was shifted and knocked off course. And we've had to figure out new routines. Um, how did your pace of work and life really change with COVID-19? Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I mentioned a, earlier that I really like to work with my team at work and and be able to train them and teach them and, and help them through their um, their jobs, what they're doing. And so when I had to come home and start working from home, um, all that became harder to do. Um, I like the organic conversations that happen in the workplace where you run into someone and you're, you're working through problems and you just meet them in the hallway and you're like, hey, I, I need help with this. And, and there's just a different atmosphere with that. And so when I got home, I really struggled with um, making those connections. I struggled with um, what do I do when I wake up in the morning? How do I get ready for work? Uh, when do I take a shower? Right? When do I when do I get on this call? And um, how do I need to act? Uh, it was all a very big struggle for me. Now I'm an introvert. I love being by myself, but when I'm working in teams, um, I just feel like I need to be there with them. And so those were kind of the things that I really struggled with uh, trying to figure out. Yeah. yeah, not having a place to be at a certain time of day, like first thing in the morning, being at the office at 830 or nine, whatever is so disorienting. Yeah, there was a day where um, I realized I wear, wore the same sweatpant outfit, like the fifth day in a row and <laughs> heading out to the grocery store. And I was like, you know, there this this may not be a good pace. This is probably not healthy. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so with COVID-19, um, and your teams and stuff, um, 
I assume like you went like most other people to a lot of zoom meetings. Um, you know, how did, how did you handle just the routines and things with your workforce? Yeah, we did. We went to a lot of zoom type meetings. Um, and, uh, at first it was a struggle, you know, we didn't see each other. No one was putting them, their pictures up, their cameras up on the, uh, so that we could see them. And they didn't know how to mute their mics and how to turn them on and how to show documents. And everything was a learning le a lesson for all of us to get through it. Um, now we do it quite well. You know, we're able to get in there and we don't uh, necessarily talk over each other and we don't have our microphones on when we don't need to. And so it, it works rather well, but there's still an element that is missing of being able to be face to face. And there actually have been meetings where I've said, hey, I want you guys in the office um, just because I need to see your faces. I right. need to be working with you. Right. And the energy that you that you get from another human body being next to you, you can't transfer that energy through a screen. No. Not yeah, that's. That's definitely where I know we got as a team is kind of that Zoom fatigue. And so we actually got creative and did one of our team meetings at a park where we could social distance, you know, and at least have that interaction and engagement with one another. And it really helped, I think, for all of us just to kind of reconnect um, after that. So before COVID-19, if anyone is like me, um, you know, I always told myself that I was pursuing work-life balance, but I'll be the first to admit that I'm not really good at that. Um, I typically have way too much on my plate um, and I'm trying to figure out, okay, how do I delegate this? Um, you know, or I typically just kind of have a stressed look all the time to my face, or apparently I tell my wife, Christy, all the time, I let... I'm just tired all the time. And she says, you say that literally all the time. Um, and, or I'm just completely distracted. And you know, I know that even affects how my team interacts with me, you know, because there'll be times where they'll say, are you listening? Or did you read this? Or did you get this? And, and a lot of that becomes because I really have too much going on on my plate. And so I, I have the ideal, but I never really reach the reality of work-life balance. Um, Martha Stewart, I found this quote that she said about work-life balance didn't work for her. Um, she said it was one of the most difficult things to do, that balance, which is so elusive to most of us, it didn't work for me. I thought, oh, I can't do it. I can't do all of that. And this is the quote, the, the part of the quote that I thought was actually sad. She said, I had to sacrifice a marriage because of the lure of a great job. It's impossible for most of us to get that balance. So do you think that that's true, that we can't actually ever attain work-life balance? Yeah, you know, I think it's interesting to look at Martha Stewart because, you know, she had a lot of failures in her life, uh, things that she struggled through. And, um, but with each failure, I think she showed that um, with that failure, you can come back, right? You can come back and, and remake yourself. You can, you can do it again and you can work hard at it. But it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of energy, and you've got to decide where you're going to put your energy to. So for her, unfortunately, she sacrificed her marriage because she put all of her energy back into her brand. Um, I think a lot of us need to be able to take a look at how much energy we're willing to put into something compared to how much we want to sacrifice in another area. Yeah, and I, um, I kind of think back to, I believe it was last week's podcast, we were talking about alignment. 
And um, what that has to do with work-life balance to me is um, this concept that work and life are two totally separate things. If we are Mm -hmm. aligned with our work, they're much more integrated. So I don't really see work-life balance as the kind of thing that's like you have this much work and this much life. I see them as integrated and you're really just kind of striving for um, health all around. Yeah, I think I agree with with part of that, Jeb. And my my hot take on work-life balance is that it's a myth. I think that if you're striving for this balance your entire life, you're going to, you're going to strive until you die. And I think you're going to look back on your life and it's going to be a life of struggle and not a life of peace. And so for me, I think it's more about operating out of a place of centeredness than it is about achieving whatever work-life balance is. For me, I'm in graduate school. Um, I'm responsible for all of my bills and all my household duties. I also worked three jobs last year. And so balance was off the table, right? I was not going to have a balanced life this past year. Uh, However, I could operate out of a place of centeredness. That was an option for me. And so I found that on days that I got plenty of sleep, got to the gym, you know, did my morning affirmations, got plenty of water. When I was meeting those basic needs of myself and operating out of a place of centeredness, I was able to handle my insane schedule that was not balanced at all. However, on the days that I, you know, I didn't center myself or I wasn't paying attention to um, these basic human needs that we all have, right? I, I knew that I was destined to become stressed out that day. So for me, I think it's more about operating out of centeredness and intentionality than it is about achieving balance, because especially as Americans and, um, you know, as high achieving people, it's, it's not going to happen. Well, so I think sometimes when we talk about the word balance, and maybe it's the wrong word, because when we think about balance, we're trying to equally balance something, right? If I'm on a tightrope, like I need to be perfectly balanced on the tightrope so I don't fall off, Right. And so I think sometimes that's our approach. So if I work 40 hours a week, then I should have 40 hours personal time, right? Um, And if, you know, if I exercise, you know, and I burn X amount of calories, then I should get equal amount of dessert, right? Like, it seems like we're trying to maybe find always the perfect balance to every single situation. And maybe that's not really you know, even the right kind of way to think about that, you know, um, and even our workplaces probably set us up for that, right? Because we go into work and we work to earn X amount of PTO, right? And so it's even kind of built into the mentality that, right, if you do X amount of work, then you get so X amount of rest. Um, And so a lot of companies, right, have gone away with complete, you know, kind of PTO, you know, vacation policy, it's unlimited and you take what you need when you need it um, instead of trying to kind of calculate, you know, this uh, formula uh, that, um, you know, is supposed to work for you to give you kind of work-life balance. 
Yeah, and I think that's going right along with what Jeb is saying about, um, you know, not having a job that you want to escape from because you're at your job 40 hours a week. So making the values of your job harmonious with the values in the rest of your life so that you're not, like you're saying, Jeremy, working just to take a vacation. And I think that's really important. And not a lot of people do that. I think a lot of people work to pay the bills and not a lot of people work to match their values. Yeah, I think, um, McKay, we're kind of saying a lot of the same thing when we talk about work-life balance and you're talking about centeredness. And, you know, I, I find that for you in your time of life, um, maybe, you know, doing a lot of schoolwork or working three jobs or um, whatever you find that fills your life up, you've just got to be able to balance those things out. It doesn't mean that one has to be exactly the same weight as the other. It just means that you're able to balance those things out so you don't get burned out on one thing or another. And you put too much energy into one thing that you can't find the rest, relaxation, and enjoyment in another thing. And so that's true with work as well. I mean, you can throw yourself into it. And there's certain points in your career, you're going to have to do that. Mm -hmm. So if you're starting a new business, you've got to throw yourself into it. If you're just starting a new job, maybe you've got to throw yourself into it to prove yourself. But once you get going, then you need to pull back and you need to be able to focus on those other areas. And maybe that's this, but focus on those other areas if it's starting a family or maybe it's um, spending more time uh, around uh, exercising and, and health for yourself. You've got to you've got to pull back at times and look at other areas so that you get that again, not necessarily balance that they're equal, but balance that you find the enjoyment in all things that you're doing. Yeah, that's a really good point, and it goes along with something that Randy Zuckerberg said: um, work, family, friends, sleep, and exercise. Pick three. And she said that because three is the most that you can prioritize at one time. You can't have it all, and I think like what you're saying, different stages of life will necessitate different things, taking more of your attention and time. I've had to think about that, right, as an entrepreneur. Um, and I, I love to start new things and do new things. Um, and even starting my own business, um, that was a conversation that um, Christy and I had, you know, a lot of talk around. And even right now, this is a really busy season. Um, we just launched a new um, executive program last week. We brought on a new executive coach, Brian Post. Uh, we've launched this podcast. Um, we've launched new marketing strategies. We've moved into an office. And so it quickly, especially if you're an entrepreneur or you're running a, a, a startup or you're, you're the sole, you know, preparatorial leader of the company. I mean, it, 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 there's a lot that happens and, I think for me, I try to find rhythms in that, that, okay, I know that this season is busy. Uh, and so I'm going to be busy and I'm going to be pretty focused. And so my wife, Christy and I, we've spent a lot of late nights here at the office and our kids have come along. And I actually think there's value um, in them being over here and seeing their parents work hard on something that they love and are putting that labor of love into it. But we also recognize that there's going to be some seasons of rest when, you know, we look forward to going to the beach together and spending that quality time. Um, as a parent, uh, I know that we're always worried like, oh, my gosh, are we giving them enough? Are we paying attention to them enough? Um, 
our middle child, uh, you know, last night we were over here working in the office and we got home at 10 o'clock and she is someone who's very structured. And she was like, you're expecting me to get up at nine o'clock the next morning. And I'm at 10 o'clock. I haven't done any of my routine. And, you know, the high achiever dad is just like, suck it up, kid. Just do your things and go to bed. We just showed you, you know, how to work hard and, and love life, you know, um, and and Christy always has to balance that out for me, too. <laughs> and how I talk to the kids. But um, but being able to even demonstrate and show that rhythm um, is hard. And it's hard as a parent. I think um, the fear of, of like I'm doing this thing that I love, um, but am I actually providing enough for them, too, at the same time? And and I, th- I just think that that's. That's really hard. I think a lot of parents found themselves um, snapped back into that reality really quick, even with COVID-19, because all of a sudden you're back home with your kids. It wasn't like you could even send them off to school. Now they're right here and you have to give them attention. And and what is that going to look like for you? Trying to find work-life balance? It can be hard when you are trying to juggle many things in your life, whether that's starting a new job, continuing your education, or making your family a priority. I'm Brie Olson. I'm a career brand story writer for Jeremy Tudor, and here is your career tip for this week. Honing in your time management can help you set the right priorities and work-life balance routine. Either you manage your time or your time manages you. It's important to be purposeful with your time. This week, start by scheduling out your day and recording what you actually do with your time, not what you wish you did. At the end of each day, review how you actually spent your time. What do you like about your routine? What do you want to tweak? Pick one thing at a time and adjust it in your routine. Too much and you'll overwhelm yourself. Too little and you'll stay stuck in the same rut. But remember, it is all about progress, not perfection. Work-life balance can be accomplished if you observe, record, and edit your routine to fit your needs. So in this week's email newsletter, Michael, you contributed to the article that our audience is going to be able to read on work-life balance and discuss some practical ways to maintain a healthy work-life balance. Um, We talk about um, reflection, release, recalibration, and results. And one of the illustrations you used in there, and I know that um, I've watched you um, do and, and watch you grown in the sport of running. Um, which by the way, I don't understand the sport of running. Um, I joke when we see people running in the car, I want to, you know, roll my down my window and say, are you okay? Why are you running in the middle of this heat? Um, please hop in our car. We'll hydrate you. We'll take you wherever you need to go. You don't have to run there. Um, but I will also say I did walk two miles today. Uh, not today. I walked two miles this week. Um, so I, I, I get the purpose of exercise. It's just the running part. I don't understand. Um, but I still thought it was a good illustration about just, you know, being able to find a rhythm and a pace um, and all of that. And when we talk about reflection, um, this is probably a good place with work-life balance is that we have to kind of take a pause and see where we're really, where we're really at. Um, and we talk about this all the time, like within career direction with our clients about, you know, it's important to know where you are today and where you're going tomorrow. What are your goals in your professional life? Um, you know, what kind of conflicts and things are, that you're going to be kind of up against? So um, 
how have you seen like that idea of reflection work for you and being able to find like work-life balance? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, sometimes you do have to just sit and pause and take a minute to look back at uh, where you've been and where you're going to. And I know for me, um, you know, I, again, going into the parking industry was not on my radar. And so after being in it for five years or 10 years, I had to really look and be like, hey, is this meant for me? Is this where I'm going to stay at? I remember at one point um, I went back and I applied for some youth ministry jobs, uh, thinking that you know, that's that's what my degree was in. That's where I needed to be at. And I I didn't get the jobs. And I think it was uh, for the best that I didn't get them because I find that as a volunteer at my local church in youth ministry, I'm able to be a lot more free in what I do. And I can love on the kids a lot better than um, if I was a youth minister and be judged by everything um, that I'm doing. And Jeremy, I know you, you know, some of this, you know, it's, it's hard to be in that limelight, but as a volunteer, I have a lot more freedoms and I'm able to use my skills and to support the staff that is there. And so I found that, you know, on that reflection that that is where my background could be used without having to be uh, paid as a career for it. I also found that um, in my career that I'm in that um, I really began to enjoy the teaching and training side of things. And I wouldn't have been able to tell you that before, but that I just love being able to teach and train people and watch them grow and watch that light bulb just go off in their head when they get something. And it's just an amazing thing for me to be able to see that happen. And so whenever, you know, I think it was once said, uh, I do a lot of training with, with my staff and we read through a lot of books. And of course, uh, you know, Stephen Covey is, is a famous author, wrote Seven Habits. And one of the things he said in there, which I love, is uh, if the ladder's not leaning against the right wall, every step we take just gets us to the wrong place faster. And I love that analogy of this ladder just up against the wall and you're climbing and you get to the top and you're like, you look around and it's not even where you expected to be at. And so sometimes you have to you have to make sure that you're you're climbing against the right wall, because when you get to the top, you want to be able to look around and know that you made it to where you were going. And that's all about reflection. So today you sit in a senior level position within your company. Um, so as you promoted up in your company, um, did you take pause around your work life balance and those priorities of before you stepped into the role? Um, did that have an impact in decision or even through your career? Did you decide not to do something at a certain point because of that? Um, yeah, that, that's good to know because, uh, yes, each step that I took, I did pause and I talked to my wife about it because we want to know how is that going to affect our family life? How's that going to affect the goals that we've set for ourselves? Um, now I'll tell you, I could easily step out of my career as a, a city employee and I can make a lot more money in the parking industry. Um, and I could, I could climb faster, but that means I'd be on the road traveling a lot. It means I would be away from my family. And it means that um, I just, we wouldn't reach our common goals that my wife and I put together. And so when I look at those and I look at the choices that we've made, we definitely stopped and, and talked about them and made sure that they aligned with all the other goals in our life. You can't just make a, um, a decision based on one aspect. You've got to look at the context of everything to be able to understand 
um, where you're going to be moving forward with. That's great. Well, talking about after you pause, then the next thing is about releasing and really talking about um, getting rid of the the low hanging fruit, the the things that you need to get out of the way. This is something I've been starting to learn about just in delegation. How do you decide what things to release and let go of so that you can achieve more balance um, in your overall whole self life? Wow, that's tough. It, it's hard to let go of things. I mean, if you've ever had to let go of something and and try to make room for other things in your life, that's a hard thing to do. Um, I'm really looking for your wisdom here because I, I, as your younger brother, I struggle with this, right? Um, and McKay knows this. I, she's, um, I'm trying to delegate things and, and um, there was something that I had mentioned, a project um, or an, a task that needed to be done. And I just mentioned it. It wasn't, it wasn't even in my head that I was delegating it off. And then one day she was in the office and she's like, oh yeah, I took care of this. And I was like, what are you talking about? And then I connected what it was and I was like, oh, you, you already took care of it. Like it's done. And it was such a relieving feeling, but it was also like this like scary feeling because, you know, it's hard to let go of the things that you feel that you have. I think for me, it's hard to let go of the things that I have control over. And I think that's the key with um, what we're talking about with release is trust. You have to trust the people around you that you're releasing things to. You have to trust that if you're releasing one job path for another, that you're making the right decision. And I think that if you release and you don't trust your gut, you don't trust that you've, you know, used all the resources that you have to make the most informed decision possible, then I think that's where regret is going to creep in. So I think for me, at least with release, trust is the biggest factor. Another thing with that, I, I, that's good, McKay. Another thing I found is I have a, a direct report to me and he has a lot of trouble with releasing things to um, his team. Uh, he wants to be able to do them because he knows he can do them right. And I've sat down and talked with him many times about, you know, if you don't release those things to your team to do, they're never going to grow and be able to take your position someday when you're not there. So you're not going to be there for the rest of this organization at some point whether it's through retirement or death or whatever it is, you're not going to be in that position. You've got to train your team up to be able to do that type of job. And that goes through trusting them, like you said, and releasing um, projects for them to be able to do. It's a, it's a really hard thing to be able to let go of things and let other people do it the way that they see best uh, fit to do that. So um, has how do you how do you personally, Michael, figure out what to let go of? I mean, do you do you sit down and, and write out a, just a list and go, okay, this is low priority for me? Um, does it happen in the moment? Like, what's kind of your thought pattern on how you figure out what to let go of and what you still need to hold on to? Yeah. So uh, one thing I'll tell you is um, on my drive home. You know, sometimes it's, I, I need to be able to let go of just my day of what I've gone through at work. And a long time ago, um, I found that on my drive home on the interstate, there's a tunnel that I drive through. And I committed that every day when I drove through that tunnel, when I hit the other side, it was no longer work. It was all about home. 
And so that tunnel just was a representation to me that I was leaving work behind and home was waiting for me. And so sometimes you have to do that because you've got to realize that work never goes away. You're going to have that to-do list every day and you're never going to be able to get it 100% completed and you're not going to be able to um, do everything that you want. There's always going to be something waiting for you when you come back the next day. And so for me, it is about list. I like to write list out. I like to check things off. And when I find things that I feel my team can do that will help them grow, then I, I release it to them so that they can work through it. And I like to assist them. Again, part of the thing about me is I like to teach people and I like to train people. So it's good to be able to release those things to them. I think that's a really great practical illustration um, to be able to do. Um, I don't know that I have a tunnel here where I live in Johnson City. I'm going to have to go find one <laughs> and then drive to it and loop around. But I think that's a really great visual um, to be able to kind of release things, especially when you're thinking about, you know, coming and finding that, again, that balance between not just, you know, the things at work, but back into your family life as well. Um, you know, I know for um, Christy and I, um, we made a commitment that when we sit down at the dinner table, there's no technology, no cell phones. Like we really try to put that down. It's actually been really good for us in COVID-19 um, crisis is that um, we really just, we obviously we stopped eating out and we've come back around the dinner table um, and really focused. And I can see the difference in our family life and in our kids' life because of that. So I think there's definitely those physical things that sometimes we just have to do to remind us, you know, to release, let go and be present in the moment. Um, so after that, we talk about recalibration um, and bringing the things back into alignment and defining new habits. Um, and this is a little bit where you talked about where, you know, uh, you started to figure out, hey, I might need to start exercising uh, doing some things different in my life. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to that and kind of recalibrated a healthy lifestyle for yourself? Yeah, it's it's a really tough realization when you realize you're not as strong and energetic as you once were. And so for me, that hit when I turned 40. And so, Jeremy, I'm sure you understand this quite a bit. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> We live on the third floor right now. And so sometimes I'll take a sales call on the first floor. And if I have to go to the third floor, I'm out of breath. It's not a good situation. Yeah. <laughs> and you're not a smoker or anything either, right? No. <laughs> so I came to that same realization. I was out in the snow playing with my kids. They were really young at the time. And I was trying to pull them on a sled. And we've got a small front yard. And by the time I went from my driveway to the neighbor's driveway, I was out of breath and I was like, there, this is not right. You know, I really need to figure out how to fix this. And so that's, I didn't, I didn't run prior to that, but that's what I thought, you know, maybe I need to start running. Well, you, you've got to make a plan when you're going to start doing something like that, because you don't just wake up one morning and go and run a marathon. You, you wake up and they always say the first and hardest thing about running is getting your foot out the door. Because if you don't get your foot out the door, you're not going anywhere. And so, but once you do that, you're committed. So that foot out the door, that's a commitment. And once you do that, then you get out there and then you, you pace yourself. And so I remember um, I didn't have a distance that I wanted to run. I just wanted to get better at it. 
And so I started and I probably ran half a block and then I walked half a block and then I ran half a block and then I walked half a block and maybe I walked some more after that. Um, but as time kept going, I got better and better at it. And eventually I run several 5Ks. I run several 10Ks and um, probably about a half dozen or so half marathons. Now, I will tell you right now, I'm not up to that. You know, I, I could run a 5K, but I couldn't run a 10K. And so it's all a matter of what you continue to put your effort into in your life. And that, that leads you into where you're going to go. And so for me, that's, that's how I work at my pace and how I look back and kind of recalibrate things in my life. That's great. And then the last thing that we talk about in the newsletter that's coming out is the results and celebrating. I actually really love this one because I think we forget to do this um, both in our personal and professional lives. Um, I think we end up celebrating birthdays because we're supposed to celebrate birthdays. But I think we forget, um, especially in the workplace, to celebrate um those moments where we have produced good fruit, where we have created traction and stuff. Um, when are some key times where you found it really appropriate to really celebrate what's taken place both within your work life and even a personal life in that balance? Yeah, work, we found, uh, so we created a team that just looks at being able to celebrate achievements for us. And so over this past year, uh, we've received a couple of awards from a national parking association. And so we made sure that we celebrated those awards because everyone contributed to us getting that. It wasn't an easy project. It took us several months to be able to do it. But now we are ranked at the top um, 3% um, globally in how we run our company. And that's a huge achievement. And to just get it and then let it go by, um, it doesn't do anything for the team. The team really needs to feel that they, they've done something for this. Um, we do that with small achievements. When someone has a, a baby or a grandchild at work, I know one of our um, employees just had a grandchild. We celebrated that, you know, and it's a time for employees to connect on a different level. Um, instead of it being work all the time, we can connect on a personal level with them. And I think that's really important. Uh, for a family, obviously, right now, we're celebrating my son's graduation from high school. It's very different this time of year. You know, 2020 will be a, a celebration graduation that no one will ever forget. Uh, they'll be like, hey, when did you graduate? I graduated in 2020. Oh, yeah, I know. I remember that. You know, and so we make sure that we celebrate it in different ways. Um, the work that he's done over the past 12 years uh, to be able to get to this point. Uh, personally, I, I know for me, I, I turned 50 this year. And so, you know, a lot of people will look at that and be like, oh, you know, your life's half over. Well, to me, it's a celebration. I can look back on the things that I've done. And I really feel that I have a, a good work-life balance. It hasn't always been that way. I know that there's been times when I started out and uh, I, I, I was full in at work. I remember when I first started working at this job, I'd work from eight in the morning till 10 at night, um, you know, every day of the week almost. It, it was busy. And then I remember other times I, I had to focus on family when we had kids and I had to pull back from work and be able to focus on my kids. But through all that time, I've been able to look at different areas of my life and be able to find that balance uh, that was needed. And so I think, you know, this year in turning 50, I feel really good about looking back that I climbed up that right wall. I climbed up that ladder 
and I can see that, that things have worked out really well. So have we landed on the fact that maybe work-life balance um, is not a myth? Is that where we're landing today? No. <laughs> no. Somebody doesn't like to lose. <laughs> uh-huh. Okay. You know what? When Jeremy, when you show me that your life is work-life balanced, I'll believe it's not a myth. How about that? That's right. As the leader goes, so goes the team. Is that That's right? That's right. That's right. That's right. Well, I think what we have landed on a fact is, is that, and maybe the centeredness is, is one of the best words that we can kind of come around that, you know, um, that it, again, it, it all comes back to living a life that is focused on the whole self. And, um, it seems like, you know, there's different rhythms that come with life. And with that, there'll be those periods where you run hard and there's those periods where you find rest and there's those periods where you walk uh, along. Um, but through it all, there does seem to be a place where we can really find a, a, a pace um, that, that we can follow that, that is healthy um, for all of us. And that works for that season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, this really feels to me like the old uh, equality versus equity. Um, I, it's not really a debate. It's just equality versus equity. Um, you know, we think of equality as everything being the same, like we've talked about with balance, that if you have 40 hours of work, you have 40 hours of rest, whereas equity refers a little bit more to um, proportional representation. So. Yeah. The, the concept of seasonality to things would be where you look at the proportional representation part, I think. Yeah. Brand is not just a logo, a color, or a catchphrase. It's custom. It's your language, your culture, your vibe, and so much more. So why leave your brand imagery up to whatever you can find on a stock photography website? I'm Jeb Graff, and I'd like you to consider getting in touch with me for your custom photography, for your custom brand needs. I've worked with people across the United States to make photography that tells your story better and more effectively than any search on a stock site could. And I'd like to work with you too. So go to jebgraff.com contact to leave stock behind and say hello to imagery that's as custom as your brand. That's J-E-B-B-G-R-A-F-F dot com slash contact. Talk to you soon. All right. So, Michael, a question that we ask everybody um, that comes on our show is, what do you want to be when you grow up? Especially as you're turning 50. I know. I want to be, I want to be your favorite biggest brother is what I want to be. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You still got time to work on that. (laughs) How do I I get to that? Uh, Yeah. (laughs) I, um, I really, like I said before, I, I really enjoy what I'm doing. I I could have never dreamed that I would be in the job that I am and like what I do, but I found that um, it too will have its season and someday that season will end and i'd like to be able to continue to somehow train and teach people um in their businesses and and how they look at things um really and how they become leaders um i love seeing people be able to step up to the plate 
and be able to become leaders in their organizations and have their skills to be able to uh, take that organization to new heights. And I don't know where that will land me in the future, um, but that's what I enjoy doing. You know, I have the perfect job for you. I'm sure you do. <laughs> There's this guy named Jeremy Tudor. I don't know if you've met him. <laughs> Unfortunately, he doesn't pay very well, does he, McKay? <laughs> hey, that's not true. That's not true. That's not true. He takes um, good care of us. That's right. Well, Michael, thank you so much again um, for sharing your thoughts on work-life balance. Um, and I know that it's been helpful for me, um, and thinking through this and looking forward to reading more, uh, that you share in the email newsletter this week, um, around this thought as we all pursue, um, better balance, um, and a better healthy life, um, for us. Yeah. Thank you for inviting me on the show today. I really appreciate it. Well, folks, if you liked what you heard today, you can hear more every week from us by opting into our email newsletter. Simply go to jeremytutor.com to sign up today. We won't spam your inbox, but we will send you emails every week with our expert career coaching advice. If you'd like to find Michael, um, you can find him at LinkedIn at Michael Tudor. Thanks for tuning in today and keep on thriving. Thriving.